Good morning. I hope you're having a great morning already. We're having a beautiful day here in the state of Tennessee. I'm in the book of Luke, and I would love for you to join me, Luke chapter 15, a story you're all familiar with, the story of the prodigal son. I have a few thoughts about that, and I'd like for you to join me there for the reading of God's Word and a teaching from Him. So Luke chapter 15, beginning with verse 11. It says, And Jesus told this story, There was a man who had two sons. You know, the Bible's full of stories about two sons. There was Cain and Abel, and then there was Cain and Seth. Then there was Jacob and Esau. There was uh, James and John, you know, the sons of thunder. And there was Andrew and Peter, you know, were also brothers. So there's, and there's many more than that. There's stories of brothers throughout the Bible. And so Jesus is telling another story where he's talking about two brothers. And immediately anybody listening to this story would have thought back over all the two brother stories that were in the Old Testament. So he had their attention. There was a man who had two sons, and the young one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had and set off for a distant country, and there he squandered his wealth and wild living. And after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomachs with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Now when he came to his senses, it's one of the best verses in the Bible, when he came to his senses. But when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went back to his father. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his sons, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. And when he came near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of his servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fatty calf. He has him back safe and sound. And the older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and plead with him. But he answered his father and said, Look, all these years I've slaved for you and never disobeyed your orders. But you've never even given me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fatty calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. This story is not so much a story about someone being born again. Uh, people have used this passage to talk about being born again. And it's not so much about a sinner coming to Jesus for salvation. I think more importantly, it's about understanding who we are in Christ. 
Understanding who we are as sons and daughters of the Most High God. You see, I think a misunderstanding about your true identity will lead to all kind of folly in your life. A true misunderstanding about who you are as it relates to God uh, will lead to folly. It will lead to idolatry. <clears throat> it will lead to all manner of sin in your life if you're pursuing something that's not of Christ. And so I want to approach the story from that standpoint. What does it mean to, uh, to understand our truest identity? You see, I think the story is a father and two sons. They were already sons. Neither one of them need to become a son. They already were a son. That's why I say it's not about being saved and becoming a son. They already were sons. This is about us, two sons, both of them, who lost their identity in Christ. You see, the uh, first thing I think about when I think about this is both of them were required to work for their father. Both of them were required to work for their father. They, they weren't born into privilege where they sat back and sat on the front porch and watched other people work the farm. They themselves were responsible for certain areas of the farm. Maybe one was in charge of sheep. Maybe one was in charge of planting and harvesting. They, they had jobs. They had responsibilities that they were to do. And I think we as Christians sometimes miss the fact that as sons and daughters of God, we are required to work also. We're, we're not just allowed to sit up on the front porch and sip some tea, right? And, and, and watch everybody else do the work. Uh, the church has become that. The church in America has become that. It's become uh, 100 people or 200 people or 2,000 people sitting in a stadium. Sanctuary, we call it a worship center, but sitting in a stadium watching eight or ten people up on stage perform and, and it's, it's become a spectator sport where Christians just show up and they, they pay for a good show and if it's not a good show they don't pay. Uh, there's no work involved when they leave the building. They feel like they've done their job and that's, that's not how God designed it. That's not the original design of the church. The original design of the church is that we're all supposed to be working. It says in Ephesians that we're God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which were planned for us in advance. So there are all kind of works that we're supposed to be doing. That doesn't mean we're supposed to be working all the time. There's certainly a season of rest. But when God calls us to work, we're to work. We're to feed the poor. We're to pray for the sick. We're to visit those who are shut in, those in the hospitals, at least when we can go back to the hospitals again. But we're to work. There are things that we're supposed to be doing. These two sons had jobs and they had responsibilities. One of them felt like he had done his job perfectly, and we'll get to that in a moment. The, the older son, the Pharisee I call him, he had a Pharisaical attitude. The younger son felt like he had done enough. I've done enough, I'm just going to leave and go do whatever I want to. And so he went off and lived his life the way he wanted to. I think we Christians do that too. We, we sign up to follow Jesus and then some of us become Pharisees where we think we know it all and we're better than everybody. <clears throat> we look down our nose at folks and we've always got their life story planned out for them like we know what's best for them. And, and we'll tell them that. They'll just listen. If they Even if they won't listen, we'll tell them that. Or we'll do it kind of passively, aggressively on Facebook somewhere or another. And then we have the others who sign up for Jesus and they show up and they... They do some work for Christ for a week or a weekend and they go on a short-term mission trip and they're all about Jesus and then they just go off and do their own thing. That's not God's design for us. But these guys were both required to work on the farm. Secondly, 
both of them already had their inheritance. You see, when a young Jewish boy turned 12, he was considered an adult. He was considered a man. He was taken to the, the gate of, the, of the, the temple, or the gate of the courts of the, of the city, where the elders were sitting. And the dad would put his arm on his shoulder and say, This is my son, whom I love, whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. The same words that were spoken over Jesus when he was baptized and came up out of the water. It was symbolic of saying, this is my son. He represents me. So if he comes and says he wants to buy grain or buy food for the, the sheep or whatever, then listen to him. He, he can transact business on my behalf. But also when they turned 12 and became a man, they also immediately received their inheritance. So there were, there were two sons. The oldest son in the Jewish family got two shares of the inheritance. The younger son got a share. And if there were other sons, they got a share too. So the older son had two shares in this case, and the younger son had one share. But their inheritance was already theirs. Uh, all they had to do was cash it in, which the younger guy did. But it was already there. They didn't have to work for it. It's the same way with Christians. Our, our inheritance is already there. We don't have to work for an inheritance. It's already in Christ. Heaven's already there. <clears throat> you ain't got to work for that. There's no amount of work you can do and tally up a certain number of points so you can get into a better spot in heaven. It's just That's not how it works. Right? There's no little cabins in heavens and big mansions and how hard you work, you know, you, you score one or the other. They already had their inheritance. We already have our inheritance in Christ. We already have our eternity. Our, our salvation is already planned out for us in Christ Jesus. And if you're trusting in Him and Him alone for your salvation, you already have your inheritance. Hey, part of that inheritance is the Holy Spirit living within us. Did you know that? Uh, it's, it's the first down payment, if you will, of the inheritance that we have is the Holy Spirit living His life in us and through us. What, what a great inheritance. The third thing is, both of them have a pride issue. Both of them had a pride issue. One of them acted on it by going and living a sinful lifestyle. The other one acted on his pride issue by turning his nose up at his own flesh and blood basically hating his own brother, hating his own flesh and blood, hating the son of his father. I mean, he calls him the son of yours, as we see in the rest of the passage, but they both had a pride issue. And we know that pride, it leads to all kinds of problems. And pride is one of the hardest things to get out of, because once you're in the pride loop, uh, you find yourself doing more and more things to prove how perfect you are. Now, I'm here to tell you, you're not perfect. None of us are. None of us are. There's, there's no amount of trying to be perfect that will make you perfect. So stop trying to measure up. Stop trying to be perfect. Just be you the way God made you. This older son had been trying to be perfect. And, and then he confronts his father and says, Look how perfect I am. I've done everything right. I've done everything right. And now this son of yours goes and spends his money. I've done everything right and you won't even let me have a barbecue. What's up with that? Well, I can't have a barbecue sandwich with my friends, right? Both of them had a pride issue. Fourth thing, both sons misunderstood their father's heart for them. Both of them misunderstood their father's heart for them. You see, it looks to me like both of them wanted a vending machine dad. Both of them wanted a vending machine dad. This is what I want, dad. And we Christians can fall into that trap too. We want God to... We want to put our offering in the plate and pull the lever and get out what we want from it. It doesn't work that way. God is not a vending machine God. 
God requires us to work, and we want to stand back and say, but I don't want to do that work. I've got things I need you to do, Jim. I don't want to do that. This is what I'd rather do. Can I just put my money in the machine and get out what I want? No. No, 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 no. It doesn't work that way. You see, they were both rebellious against the Father's heart. You see, the fifth thing I'll say is about this Father's heart. They were both deeply loved by the Father from before they were conceived. They were deeply loved by the Father. The Father's greatest joy in Jewish society was having a son so he could pass on his name and inheritance and so forth. That was the Father's greatest joy. Of course, I would say it's a great joy to have a son or a daughter, and I have one of each. It's a great joy. But they were both deeply loved by the Father. John 3.16 paints a picture for us. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. 1 John 3.1 says, How great is the love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. It's an amazing word, lavish. God likes to lavish His love on us. And I'm sure this father lavished his love on his sons in some way, in many ways. But our Heavenly Father is always lavishing his love on us. You see, some of us get, we get sidetracked because we want to view our earthly father like our Heavenly Father. And I know church members who've gotten sidetracked looking at their pastor thinking he was their father. They transferred. You know, they were hoping that their pastor would be their father for them as well. And they... And they transferred some sort of emotional attachment to that, and then when the winds up, the pastor's not perfect, and he's human like everybody else, it just destroys their world. And they want to fire the pastor, or get mad at the pastor. Um, don't attach your loyalty and your understanding of perfect love to any human on this planet. Look to God and His love. You say, well, how will I know what God's love looks like? Jesus said, Jesus said in John chapter 15, He said, if you've seen me, You've seen the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Actually, it's John chapter 14. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So look at Jesus, how he dealt with people, and you'll see the Father's heart of love for his people. Don't miss out on it. Don't miss out on the love the Father has for you right now. No matter if you're a Pharisee or, or if you run off into the pig pen as a prodigal, the Father loves all of us equally well and everybody in between. <clears throat> then the last thing is that both of these young men needed to come to their senses. I told you about that passage in verse 17. It says, and when he came to his senses. That's, like I said, one of the best verses in the Bible. And I don't know about you, but there are times during the week when I have to come to my senses. Like, like seriously, Jim, you're thinking that? Seriously? Seriously? And I have to come to my senses. And I don't know, maybe guys are worse than, than gals, but you know, sometimes a, a guy will say, hey, watch this, and he wants to jump off a tall building or something. And, you know, we, we don't need to do those things. We need to come to our senses before we do those things. So I would encourage you this morning to, if you're struggling between being a Pharisee or being a prodigal, if you think you've got everybody's life mapped out for them and you know what's going on in everybody's mind, if they just listen to you, life would be better, right? You don't know their story. You don't know what goes on behind the doors in their lives. You don't know what kind of abuse they're suffering, what kind of trauma they've had. You don't know what they're dealing with, right? So let's stop being Pharisees. 
And then let's stop being prodigals. Let's stop running off to the pig pens of life. You're only going to find pigs there. And I promise you, you know, if you think a pig is your friend and you take him out of the pig pen and you clean him up and wash him down nice and pretty and put a bow around his neck and a ring in his nose, when you turn him loose, you know what that pig's going to do? He's going to go right back to that pig pen and wallow around, right? Pigs are not your friend, right? Have them for lunch, right? Or dinner, but don't have them for a friend. Come on now. Time for us to come to our senses. Let's stop being prodigals, right? Choose a better path. Hey, I hope you enjoyed today. I'm cracking myself up now, but I hope you enjoyed today. I hope you have a blessed day, and thank you for watching.